0: Welcome to episode three of our summer mini season. So I'm really excited for today's guest. She is my friend. She is my mentor. I have known her for over 20 years. Her name is Barbara Higby. And not only has she spoken into my life when I was a young pastor's wife, she continues to speak into my life today. She also really pours into women, not only women in ministry, but women in church, women who are hurting. She has a book that we are going to put in the show notes. She has a powerful message. I really cannot wait for you to hear my conversation with her. Stay tuned.
1: Hi, Barbara. Hi, Joy.
0: Thank you so much for jumping on today and just giving of your time. And it's so good to see you. Thank you. I'm glad to be here. And it's good to see
1: you too, Joy.
0: It feels very weird calling you Barbara. I should call you Mom, (laughs) Higby, Mrs. Higby, Miss Barbara. (laughs) Barbara's good. (laughs) Okay. You are somebody that has been so influential in my life. Um, And it's funny because I just found a note from you. I think I, I text you a picture maybe last year when I found it, it was from, um, was it Willow Creek? Remember we would go on those minister school retreats Oh yes. and it was on the Willow Creek stationery. So just like a background for people who are, you know, don't know us, don't know how we're connected. You really, my husband has known you since he was super young. is friends with your kids. Mm -hmm. And then when I married my husband, I was just so blessed by you. And you um, were somebody so influential in ministry. For me, you were at our first church. and, And so yeah, so anyway, I found this note from Willow Creek, we would go away on these minister school retreats. And you wrote me this beautiful note, just encouraging me because I used to come to you on these retreats crying. I have vivid memories. Remember. Do you remember that? Yes. <laughs> I'd be like, I can't, I don't know how to do ministry. I don't know how to do this. And you were just so encouraging. Um, so yeah, it was really a treat to find that note from many years ago. <laughs> so thank you for that. You're welcome. <laughs> So why don't you just tell us a little bit about yourself, um, your family, your ministry and so on.
1: All right. Um, well, for one thing, I don't remember a day when I wasn't a Christian. I just mm. Jesus from being a little girl on, um, and I was in a denomination that didn't, uh, teach you to mark the day when you came to the Lord. So every time I was in, a, in an ev- evangelical situation and they'd say, do you want to live for Jesus? i raise my hand. I must have oh. that 10 times because, well, who wouldn't want to live for Jesus? you know? <laughs> so I can't even tell you when I was saved because I just always loved God. Um, uh, Rich also grew up in the church and we often laughed because we were so young when we married and we didn't know anything. And yet God watched out for us and, We have grown together over the years um, with our commitments to the Lord, commitments to churches, to our family, to each other. Uh, We came into the baptism of the Holy Spirit at the same time. So it was, you know, it was really a blessing of God that we were able to grow simultaneously and always be there for one another. Um, We had five children that we raised. We we actually have seven children. Um, I gave birth to twins that died. Uh, shortly thereafter, within an hour after birth. Wow. Uh, and we had a daughter who died at the age of 30. Mm-hmm. So we raised uh, three biological children. No, we raised two biological children <laughs> and three adopted children, and then the biological twins had passed away. Uh, we have a biracial daughter. Our daughter, Stacy was Korean. So we were a rather multicultural family. And we uh, taught the kids the way of the Lord and brought them up in church. Uh, and we established uh, a strong presence and attachment to one church in particular where we served for, I don't remember right now, but it was like <laughs> 38 years, 40 years. We were a long time. Uh, first as my husband as just a lay leader elder, filled every role there was to to fill. And then he came on staff as an associate pastor, uh, pastor of care. And I just served in various teaching capacities mostly.
0: Yes. And that's the church that I met you at. That's the church that Jason and I got married in and Mm -hmm. you were, I knew right away when I met you that you were a woman of influence and everybody knew that. And, um, and so that was like a really special time. Like, as I reflect, you know, on that church and that experience and, you know, Jason was in all of the young adults with your kids, the young adults yes. groups. Yeah. So you started there. Um, your husband was not on staff. And then after many years, he left his job out in the real world as I, I, I mean, that's probably a terrible term. Everything's the real world, but then he went into full-time vocational ministry at this church. Mm -hmm. What was that transition like for you to go from, you you know, um, all of a sudden your husband is in paid full-time ministry as a pastor?
1: Well, first of all, he was always so involved in ministry that the transition just seemed natural. Mm -hmm. Only now he was actually getting paid for what he loved and and he could leave the, the work world behind. Um, the other thing was we were at a, a cusp in our church, where we, we, we were living in a crescendo level. Everything that we, Rich and I had prayed for over the years, along with our friends, seemed to be happening then. So for him to come on staff during this time when the church was rising up and becoming everything we had prayed for, I'm, I'm talking about, prayer marches around the church uh, on our knees, crying and praying. And now we had a new pastor and we felt like God has finally answered our prayers. We have gone through some pretty tempestuous times. Mm. Um, for some reason, this church <laughs> um, had real issues with pastors or pastors had issues with us, whatever it was, there was a drama with almost every pastor we had. And now we felt like we were on solid ground and we're moving forward and every dream would be realized. So it was a very exciting time of our life when Rich went on staff.
0: Mm. So that's interesting. You didn't really notice this change. And I actually, I was saying to you before, like, I really love that because that shows that you don't have to be paid in full-time ministry to really be serving in these roles of you know, of pastor and somebody who, who's serving the church and caring for the church. So that's interesting that you didn't really see a difference mm-hmm. in that role. Yeah. yeah. So we're going to get a little more into, you know, some of the things in that church um, and just your different ministry experiences, but you have recently written a book. Yes, I have
1: can you tell us about that? Sure. Uh, the name of my book is I was broken too. And it's four paths to restore hope. Mm -hmm. And while the book was really birthed out of my experience of losing our 30 year old daughter, uh, suddenly without any warning, she was not ill. She was alive one day on the phone with me. And the next morning, that was the last conversation we had the next morning. She Mm -hmm. had died in her sleep. So, um, The pain of that loss is something I could not describe. And if you haven't experienced it, you couldn't imagine it. Uh, But out of that pain or in the midst of that pain, God taught me how to survive. Uh, The most remarkable thing about loss like that, that is so devastating, is the loss of hope. And I say in my book that it's almost like you don't realize you're losing hope because it, it's such a part of your life. We live with hope. We live with expectation. We live with uh, a look to the future. And suddenly that was gone. And now you're not even knowing how you're going to breathe your next breath or eat your next meal or go through the day or make it through the night. So uh, what God taught me in there was were during that time where there are four paths to restore your hope. And I tried very hard not to make it a book about death and grieving because we have suffered much loss in our lives, my husband and I. Um, The churches that we have been in have left us with very painful uh, experiences. Uh, There were times when we were slandered, times when we were doubted, Uh, friends turned against us and uh, imagined that there was an issue that wasn't there. Uh, we had one pastor, uh, a beloved pastor of the church, said to my husband on his way in to preach this the service. Uh, this is my last sermon. I'm leaving after this. Just just like that. Wow. Um, we had another pastor come and we found out after two years of struggle that he wasn't even a pastor. He had not been properly vetted and he wasn't even a pastor. So the nightmare stories I could tell you are many. Mm-hmm. And uh, with, with the one loss in particular, it was very painful. And even though I went through uh, severe pain and loss and sorrow with my daughter, it was different going through the pain in the church. Mm-hmm. And uh, there are many reasons for that. Maybe we'll get into that. But that also is part of this book. It's not just about losing a loved one. It's about losing hope, losing your dream, your passion, Mm. uh, everything you've been living for, uh, losing your church, losing your ministry. Uh, It's about loss in general. So, Mm. you know, I just encourage people, you know, if you are experiencing loss, if you have experienced loss, pick up the book. It's not expensive. And I find that it's, I'm purposed for it to be easy to follow. Uh, and easy to apply so there are four stages to hope you want to go through that now yes i would love to i'm i'm also gonna
0: put i'm also gonna put the link to the book in the show notes so um
1: yeah go ahead okay the it's an anagram so that's easy right uh the first is h hold your eyes higher And it's very easy when we're going through a trial or loss to focus on what we no longer have, focus what we're struggling with, focus on the pain. And God is asking us to lift our eyes higher and focus on him. And if we don't, we will not find that path to hope. We will just spiral downward. The second one is, oh, open your heart to God's opportunities. And this was a hard lesson for me to learn. Um, for one thing, I, I in the, in the issue of Stacy, I mentioned that we were a multicultural family, and when Stacy died, that really changed our dynamic as a family in many ways. The, the cultural ways was one. She was also like the most vivacious person you'd ever want to know, and she was our party girl and always brought life to the family. And uh, she was just an incredibly vivacious person. Mm. So her loss was deeply felt, and. Also in the church, uh, in that loss, like you expect things to go a certain way. And and like I said, we thought that we were at the cusp. We thought this was it. Uh, And so when that crashed, it was hard to think that there could be another way. There was hard to think there could be a life without Stacy. It was hard to believe there could be a life without this dream that we thought was unfolding. And then years later, we were let go abruptly, let go from the church. And again, after all those years of service, open our our heart to God's opportunities. What opportunities? I certainly didn't feel like there were opportunities in my life. But I found it's very uh, critical to allow God to clean out your heart Mm -hmm. and to make room for what he has next. Because obviously he's not finished with us yet. We've experienced pain, but we're still breathing. And he's got a purpose in that Mm. for us. The third one, the P is ponder the positive, not the problems. Mm. And I'm sure I'm not very different from any of you who are listening. That it's very easy to rehearse the pain. To rehearse the circumstances, the words that were said. um, the, the, The injustice that was inflicted. And we really have to remember who God is and ponder every positive word that he has written in the Bible. Uh, I can't stress that enough because uh, otherwise, again, it's another downward spiral that will just carry you away from God and away from hope. Mm -hmm. And the the last one, the E is my favorite. And that is expect grace. Mm -hmm. Whatever broken, Place you find yourself in, God is there, and you can expect to find his grace there. Wow. Uh, this too is a hard lesson to learn. Uh, but have you ever known him to be unfaithful? Have you ever hurt ever known him to not be by your side? Yes, you have disappointment and you have hurt, but he's on with you through it, and you can expect his grace. Mm. Oh, that's so good.
0: And it's amazing how you, you, in saying these things, you can see them in so many different areas of your life of loss. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, you talk about Stacy and she, she was definitely the life of the party. There was definitely a hole in the friends group um, when she was gone and, Mm -hmm. you know, and then you touch on, you know, the hurt from church and even open your heart to new opportunities. I that's so hard for people who have been through crushed dreams, church, or like you said, you thought your, your dream was gone. And so that's really, um, I love how you connect it with so many different areas of your life. Mm -hmm. So can you touch a little more on how you walked through these things after the death of your daughter, after the loss of, of a dream and just the crushing disappointment from the church. Like, how did you, what were some of these ways that you did these things and walked through this pain?
1: You really just do it one breath at a time. Um, the interesting thing is the, the, the two losses, the big losses occurred very close to each other. Our daughter died while we're in the midst of the church being um, <clears throat> uncertain. We knew something not good was happening and we didn't understand the dynamics. So, our daughter died, and within a year and a half, the church exploded. It just blew up. And I remember talking to a friend and saying, I can't understand. I mean, the death, Stacey's death is a much greater sorrow. And yet, I'm feeling a different pain, an excruciating pain with this church thing. And she was very wise. She suggested that it was because one involved sin and the other one didn't. Hmm. And I think that's very true. You know, there was no, no sin in Stacy's death. Um, but in the church, it was rampant. There was uh, everything that any of you have gone through church upset, have experienced. Like I said earlier, accusations, distrust, mistrust um, lies, uh, playing people against each other, uh, intentional, uh, grabbing for, uh, authority and for financial gain. Uh, it it was a very ugly time. There was much sin involved. And, uh, that was a greater pain than not a greater sorrow, a greater pain. Mm. Daisy's I guess, was a greater sorrow. And maybe that's Mm. how to differentiate the two. But in all those, all these things, whether it's death or or church explosions or losing your spouse uh, or your marriage or whatever loss you you may have suffered, um, it's a matter of holding tight, of gritting your teeth and and determining, I am not going to walk away from God. Mm -hmm. I'm not going to leave his side. Uh, I remember the disciples asking, saying, well, where else would we go? And that's just it. Where else, who else do we have but God? Mm. So it's trusting his love when we don't understand his ways.
0: Mm. That's so good. Trusting his love when we don't understand his ways. Um, and that makes so much sense, differentiating the sorrow from the pain. And I remember that, was the, that year was the last time I saw you at minister school. Jason and I had left, um, ministry after that to Jason went back to school, but I remember seeing you and hugging you and you telling me that, um, talking about the difference in pain between Stacy's death and what was going on in the church. And I remember you saying that, and I was really uh, fascinated by that at the time, but it was, I mean, it was a large thriving church. And then all of a sudden there, you know, it just, it seemed looking from the outside in, cause we didn't go there. It just happened suddenly. And it was so divisive among, you know, even our friends group. And it was a crazy yeah. experience. So how I hear so much of people walking through this church pain, um, you know, personal loss, and they, they never step foot in church again. And that certainly is not your story, but I have seen it time and time again, or they're in church, just barely functioning, not wanting, you know, not wanting to be in ministry anymore. How, so that's not your experience. How did you survive that without becoming bitter and um, walking away from church? Well,
1: again, I think that it's focus, you know, it's, We believe so strongly in the church of Jesus Christ. We believe that it is his body, that it is his design, that he has purpose for on this earth. So even though we are uh, fallible humans and we make messes of things, that doesn't change his plan. Mm -hmm. That doesn't change the fact that he established the church on this earth. And it doesn't change the guidelines that he has. Or how the church should function how we should care for one another and love one another uh, i we will never find a perfect church We're, wherever we go uh, if you think you found it you're, you're going to be proven wrong mm-hmm. uh, there is no perfect church but we are in a training ground for that day when we become the perfect church in glory so right now it's our desire uh it has to be In our heart to serve one another to encourage one another to lift each other up we have to look away from the structure and look Mm -hmm. at the heart of the matter you know it's us being christ it's us being jesus to one another and meeting together because it pleases him not because the music is nice for us because the preacher is exhilarating and not for any of those reasons but because god calls us to do this and expects it of us and there is just something that happens in corporate worship that does not happen elsewhere um god can speak to us in ways that in our own prayer closets and our own little you know sitting in the in our recliners with a blanket on and praying and just huddling in with god is great and and god loves that quiet time with us but he also loves us to worship corporately Mm. and it's an important element where he shows up And he will speak to our hearts if we're eager and earnest and and, um, expectant to hear him. So we can't not abandon what Jesus has not abandoned. You know, he has not ever given up on the church and he's seen far more than we have in our short lives. And since he has, since he still has it going and still has plans for it and purpose for it, I'm cooperating with him and, and being where he wants me to be. Hmm. um that being said i wouldn't advise anyone to stay in a uh, an abusive situation in a church any more than i would uh suggest that a woman stays in an abusive marriage i mean we have to be in a place um, of worship where we are free to worship where we are learning and growing and uh participating where our gifts are being used those are just some of the elements that we look for when we're looking for a church that where we will fit, where it'll be our our good place to be. Um, not only what we can give, but what we can receive. So
0: mm, that's really good. Um, you have you're you're a woman in ministry. You have served in ministry. You love ministry. As long as I've known you you are passionate about speaking into women's lives. You are an author, you're a speaker, you speak to women. Um, tell us about your passion for that and your vision for
1: that. Hmm. Well, as long as I can remember, it's always been on my heart to encourage women. Um, when I listen to their stories and I hear, uh, them talking about, uh, or uttering words of despair or, um, questioning their ability or their giftings, I really get angry at the enemy. Uh, Mm -hmm. He is a thief. And he uh, plays on women's emotions. He accuses us. Uh, He puts us down. He gives us false information. And I get so angry. And I just want to come against that and say you are beautiful. Mm -hmm. God created you with a purpose. And he has something in store for you. He's got a plan for your life and he wants to use you as the woman he made you to be. Not as someone else who's wiser or can sing better or can speak better or pray better or whatever. He wants to use you and he's got a purpose for your life. And that that has been my passion for as long as I can remember. And so every time I speak, everything I write, I, I blog regularly. It's always to encourage and to cause us to believe not in ourselves, but to believe in the God who created us Mm. and put us here for a reason. Mm.
0: That's so good. I think I talk so much about that. Um, Just when I'm talking with women it's the, the doubt that comes in the, you know, I'm, I'm struggling in ministry because I can't do this. Um, And to really speak directly to that is so important because like you said, like God has called you, not you to be like somebody else. So I would love to put your information just in the show notes. People can read your blog, get a hold of um, just some of the things that you've written and your information because that's so needed. I mean, for women everywhere, but for women
1: in ministry as well. Thank you, Joy. I really appreciate that. If I can offer more hope to more women, I'm happy. (laughs) Yes.
0: So you, I'm going to go into just a couple things that I love to talk about when I see um, another woman who has raised kids in ministry. You've raised five kids in church to, to grow up going to church every Sunday during the week youth group. Um, What is some wisdom that you give or you could give to us about women, um, families, just trying to raise kids today?
1: Um, That's a hard one, Joy. Um, I had described the rocky road we had in this church with pastor after pastor. And if there's one thing I could do differently, and, and my husband and I have talked about this is I think we would be more transparent with our kids about what was going on. We really wanted to protect them. We didn't want them to see ugliness. We didn't want mm-hmm. them to know it was there. Um, and I, I, you know, I, I look at the way different people in the church handled it. And some parents would tell their children everything. And their kids became bitter. And so there's got to be a balance in that. Um, and so, of course, that means our hearts have to be right as we talk to our children. That the, that we are not harboring bitterness because that will come through. But um, I I do wish we had shared more openly with our kids. I think it would have made them made it easier for them to understand where we were coming from, uh, what we were suffering, and and how we were in it together as a family, and and why. You know, yeah. why didn't we just walk away? Why did we stay and, and continue to serve and continue to push forward, press forward? Um, so that, that's one thing that I would do differently. Hmm. Um, I don't know about what I did right, but um, we brought our kids. They were there all the time. You know, they they were in the, the youth groups and the children's groups and Sunday school and the evening service. when we used to have evening services. Uh they never complained. Um, so I, I don't, I don't know what I did right, but I know that that one thing that I did, I wish I had done differently. And that is share being more transparent with them about the issues that were going on in the church. Mm.
0: That's really interesting that you say that I do get mixed reactions, you know, just different differences, like people saying, I don't, we don't ever let our kids know when their struggles and other people saying they need to see some of it, you know, Personally, I feel like if one of my kids goes into ministry, I do want them to see the challenges, some of the challenges now. But what you said is so important is that um, you also give the why, why we're still here, why we're pressing on. And you you use that word bitterness, not speaking out of bitterness. I think those are really two key things. You, know, you don't have to disclose everything, but um, why are we doing this even through the pain and loss and hurt? and not having that bitterness. I think those are so important. And I, I love that you say this because this is something that I'm always like, how much do I show my kids or, you know, and sometimes you can't avoid it. Mm
1: -hmm. You know, like you
0: talked about rich, you know, you and rich were asked to leave, you know, a church like that. Obviously you can't avoid sharing from Mm -hmm. your kids and some Mm -hmm. certain things. Right. Yeah. So going through just these different things in life, you um you talked about the the four paths of hope, um, which are so you know practical, but also just wise. Um, so if somebody's listening today that's you know in the midst of of church hurt or tragedy. Do you just have like a nugget for them today of um, what they can do to just keep pressing forward and moving on?
1: I think that it's really important that we keep our eyes on Jesus. I I hinted at that earlier. Um, You know, we have to always remember that we are all fallible and that the leaders we serve under or those we lead um, all have packages. That every life is a package that's filled with their own hurts and their own experiences, mm-hmm. and we don't know what they are. So we have to give grace as God gave us grace, but the church is such a tricky thing because it's so righteous in theory. It's so righteous, it's so good, it's so godly, And we have such high hopes for it and such high expectations that everyone in it will honor God and will put him first and will serve him and that we'll all be harmonious and we'll just be able to to flow together and and produce this wonderful uh, experience for people to come to him and to serve him and to grow in him. But when it comes down to it, every person involved is this package of hurt and, and mm. disappointment and they're they're acting from their own experiences and mm. we we have to keep our eyes therefore on jesus he's not only the author and finisher of our faith he's the author of the church and the purposes that we strive to fulfill are not the church's purposes or his purposes yes. and wherever we serve it'll always be he will be the constant You know, whether you're a youth pastor or or a a senior pastor or an assistant pastor, wherever you fit, a lay pastor, a teacher, a Sunday school teacher, wherever you fit in the church, you're serving the Lord. And there's Mm -hmm. an umbrella of a church over you, but ultimately it's the Lord. And when he tells you to move someplace else, you move someplace else, but he doesn't change. The Mm -hmm. building might change. The people might change. He doesn't change. And so our service and our devotion is entirely to him and wherever he puts us, that's up to him and we'll open our hearts to his opportunities.
0: Mm. Well, I'm going to have to replay that for myself over and over again, because that's (laughs) that certainly just um, that's what it's about. And Mm. it's sometimes it's so hard, like something that you had said earlier was like when you were walking through church her about how you have had people say things that weren't true or, you know, hurt your character or say different things. Sometimes when you're in the midst of that, it's hard to do what you had just said. It's always the, hard. Yeah. It's always the hard. The focus I,
1: isn't there. I say that in my book, I say, yeah, I'm going to give you four paths and they sound easy, you know, and I can rattle them off in an anagram. Mm. Each one is so difficult to apply. And so we're back to warfare, aren't we? Mm-hmm. I mean, everything on this life, in this life is a struggle. Everything wants to pull us down and we are pushing up mm-hmm. and we cannot be weary. We have to keep going, keep trying, keep fighting. You know, like me like and told the people when they were building the wall, you put your tool in one hand and you put your weapon in the other hand and you mm-hmm. keep going because the work is too important to stop. Wow. I'm gonna write that down <laughs> that's
0: really good um thank you for sharing that's so encouraging um i would love to have you on again just talk more about your story i would love to for people just to you know hear about stacy and just some of the you know the wonderful things and um so i'd love to have you back thank you joy And I would love to put your information in the show notes for people to just get your book, um, your blog and information, your, any speaking information, which I know right now, not many people are having speaking events, but I, I'm hoping that changes very quickly.
1: I appreciate it, Joy. Thank you so much. It's been wonderful to see you again.
0: You too. Hey, thank you so much for listening today. Check out the show notes for some more information. Also, go to our website, joyforministry.com. We have some resources there for you. Also, the devotional journal, He is for me. You can find the link there to purchase. It brings you right to Amazon. I'm super excited because I have the video series coming live very soon. So this just sets a conversation starter for you to do this in small groups or with a friend or even on your own. And it gets conversation going, gets you thinking, and really sets up the journal to be very interactive in your life. So I will see you next week for our final episode of our summer mini season. Talk to you soon. Oh, by the way, please rate us, share us, like us. Thank you.